0: science strength conditioning high performance coaching welcome to the decoding excellence show hey everybody it is adam I want to remind you of one thing, rather than spamming this show with herbal tea advertisements or you know, performance technology companies coming on and trying to sell their latest gizmos, I have opted not to have an advertisement over the last uh, probably 20 shows or so, uh, 20, 25 shows. And the reason I do this is because rather than trying to sell you something, All I would like for you to do, if you support the show, if you're a fan of the Decoding Excellence show, maybe some of the interviews that we've had in the past, some of the monologues that we're having, some of the Monday Minute episodes, rather than trying to sell you something, please head over to adamringler.com forward slash newsletter. About once a month, I'll send you an email and it will be chock full of really interesting things research articles, fascinating things I found online, books I'm reading podcasts that I've enjoyed, articles that I'm writing, things and people that I'm interviewing and exploring. I think you're going to get a lot out of it. I promise I won't spam you and it will be something that would deliver a lot of value to your day. Check it out at adamringler.com forward slash newsletter. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Decoding Excellence Show. This was a fun show to get my ideas, my thoughts out of my head. And it centers around making sure that we as practitioners are always advocating for sleep. And it centers also around a tweet that I recently put out over the last couple days where I essentially quoted uh, out of Dr. Matthew Walker's Why We Sleep book that... Uh, ten consecutive days of sleeping at seven hours a night is the almost the same reaction times or uh, accuracy rates when it comes to a day without sleep. And it just shows how important sleep really is. So I go on and over the course of the next 15 or so minutes, I share my thoughts about why this is important, why A, the book is also a really great book, but B, why we need to continue to advocate for our student athletes to get more sleep. You don't wanna miss the show, check it out. Hey everybody, this is your host Adam Ringler and welcome to the Decoding Excellence Show, the Adam Ringler Show. And today I want to discuss a couple things that I continue to see pop up on social media. And one of the things that have created, a, I don't know if it's controversy by any means, but there uh, was a uh, tweet that I ended up saying and a lot of this was centered around a book that I read called Why We Sleep, Uh, And it's by Dr. Matthew Walker. I've yet to have him on the show. I really uh, want to uh, invite him. I have yet to do so. Uh, But I had another uh, sleep expert, Nick Littlehales, on our show a long time ago. And of this tweet that was sent out, it was essentially um, based on this book and based on some of the research studies within the book. It talked about how 10 consecutive days of seven hours of sleep impairs you as much as going a full day without sleep. And yes, this is sort of uh, clickbaity, if you will, right? Because a lot of us strive to even get seven hours of sleep, and I think the common notion is, you know, if you're getting less than six hours of sleep, you might be sleep impaired, right? But uh, within this book, and, and you know, the the author, um, Dr. Walker, goes on to talk a lot about um, sleep. Obviously, it's a huge, thorough book that talks. Um, extensively about why we need it, the history of it, the biochemical properties that that exist when we do get sleep. Um, but nonetheless, about it, when it comes to athletic performance, right, nobody within the realm of sports performance would ever negate that sleep is important, right? We preach this often, so time and time and time again, about the importance of getting sleep as it relates to things like sherry ma's work when it comes to reaction time and repeat repeat sprint ability um, efficiency things like that but also when it comes to recovery when it comes to uh, muscular soreness when it comes to the actual cascade of effects that happen in the human body when a, when a person does sleep and how it's restorative and healing um, but so nobody i think refutes that sleep is important. I think the controversy then becomes around well how much sleep is actually really needed. And this is where uh we've had some conversations online about hey you know like what happens if uh you know if it, instead of 7 hours of sleep what happens if you know an athlete's only getting 6 or 5 but what happens if they're getting consecutively more sleep than what they've done the nights before is that bad? And my thought process when I was, you know, dissecting this a little bit is that, you know, eight hours of sleep is better than seven, is better than six, is better than five, right? And the idea for us is to really understand uh, that we need to try to control the controllables. And what I mean by that is that sleep is one of those uh, behavioral environmental factors, conditions that we as practitioners have very little Uh, control or ability to alter and intervene on unless the participant, in this case, the athlete, is really willing to make the changes, right? We can't create the conditions that might improve sleep if they're unwilling to actually adopt the behaviors to do so as well. So we can do subtle things, right? And let's just say historically, if we've had a training session at 6am, every morning, then obviously, by moving that back later in the day, that would allow athletes to wake up later in the morning and, and subsequently get more hours of sleep, most likely, right? Let's not uh, be na- naive and think that athletes, you know, student athletes in particular don't have academic responsibilities as well that we need to account for. So, you know, rather than just a professional athlete or just a general Professional, and we will not even talk about the athletic world, right? When you leave your nine to five work, in most cases, right, professionals can leave that at work and go home, enjoy a family life, and have dinner and go to bed or whatever, right? Student athletes carry this additional burden that they are then also responsible for carrying an academic load, and that homework and projects and papers and term papers and, and midterms and final exams follow them, and they need to continue to study on these things respectfully. So, why I say that is because, you know, we can't always modify the amount of, you know, academic work that they have based on their majors and the curriculum of their classes, and we can't modify things like, you know, are they going to actually adopt, you know, proper sleep hygiene when it comes to, you know, blue light uh, blocking glasses and dim lights and creating the environmental conditions around their home to uh, actually promote a better sleep hygiene, better sleep duration and quality of sleep. So how do we actually modify those things? And this is where I think when we come and we start to discuss, you know, things like uh, sleep monitoring, it's it's often a futile attempt to try to measure something that we have very little modifiable ways of affecting the behavior in the environment in the first place. And so unless these athletes and these student athletes or professional athletes or whatever want to adopt a healthier sleep hygiene, then at that point in time, then, then we can actually have an intervention. We can help create the conditions. We can help educate and we can, we can do what we do as professionals to help, uh, modify the situation. Right. But continuing to to monitor an athlete's only sleeping six hours one day and six and a half hours another day and five and a half hours the third day. Um, we can talk about sleep hygiene until we're blue in the face, but if they don't want to actually change the conditions and change the behaviors, then we're measuring something just to measure it. And part of what I see so often within sports science is that we measure things that are easy to measure uh, because, you know, it's another data source and it's another... Uh, data aggregation that we can pull in, whether it's into an athlete management system or elsewhere. But, you know, the idea of using data is to make data-driven informed decisions and to make modifiable uh, decisions to positively affect sport performance. And, you know, so maybe at some level, just monitoring in a very acute sort of setting, sleep, and then providing an educational setting might be the aha moment one athlete needs to change that behavior. Because perhaps there is truly an educational barrier to adopting, you know, proper sleep hygiene for, for that matter. But if they know the sleep hygiene and the behaviors necessary to actually promote positive sleep and uh, positive sleep hygiene, then it's ultimately up to them. Right to adopt those things. So I often have, you know, one of my responses is that you know it's just a tough environmental behavioral factor to manipulate. But at the same time, I also think that most athletes don't really know what their bodies should feel like or what good sleep should feel like, right? And it reminds me of um, of this very famous poem. I know this sounds weird, but you know, hang with me called uh, This is Water. And This is Water is a David Foster Wallace, um, I think it's an essay perhaps, Um, or maybe it was a uh, commencement speech. I forget the act. Yeah, it was a 2005 commencement speech to um, a college. And in this, he he starts talking about it, but he uses the analogy that it's like two fish or you know a, a group of fish swimming past another group of fish and one group of fish says hey you know how's the water boys and in the second pane of this sort of mental cartoon is that you know the fish sort of blankingly stare back to the first group that asked them that question and then they respond later with what the hell is water and that's how i feel like with sleep. So when we as practitioners end up saying, Hey, you know, like this is how your body should feel. It should feel great. It should feel like you need to be getting, you know, seven and a half, nine hours of sleep because your body's optimally functioning at a, uh, at a, an optimal level that a lot of these guys are like, Hey, I, I feel fine. I feel just fine. And it's that, yeah, sure. You probably feel fine, but you don't know when you're in a sleep deprived state, you're not in the best Uh, position to properly assess your sleep deprivation. And if that's the case, then it's like the analogy of somebody who uh, has been drinking too much, right? They are in a poor state, uh, cognitively and physically to assess how much they've been drinking in the same way that if you're in a sleep deprived state, you're a poor assessment of how actual sleep deprived are you. So, you know, you might be operating earn three or four of the cylinders, but perhaps you can, you can push even further. Perhaps you have, you know, a lot more athletic potential, uh, to actually give that they otherwise wouldn't have ever been tapped into. So that was one of my thought processes as far as some of the, the conversations that we've been having, um, you know, with, with other practitioners in the field, centered around sleep. I then go into, and, you know, I talked about uh, a couple other articles. I think I linked to a Pacey Performance podcast. I think it was uh, episode 133 with Sherry Ma who comes on and talks a little bit about her research. I also ended up linking, uh, and you can find this all on, um, on Twitter, at Adam Ringler, but I also linked to one of my favorite podcasts as well, the Kevin Rose Show, where uh, Dr. Matthew Walker, who, like I said earlier in the show, the author of The Why We Sleep: Unlocking the Power of Sleep and Dreams, came on and and talked a lot about his research and that book. And uh, I think I also and and lastly here I linked to the Nick Littlehills episode where he talked about the R90 sleep uh, system that he has, and he talks about. The book that he has put on, um, which I think is called Sleep. Um, pretty, pretty easy right there. <laughs> uh, but the R90 Sleep Program. So he goes on and talks a little bit about that as well. So I, th- I just wanted to pop on the show and share this because I think there's been a lot of conversation surrounding sleep. And I think it's in vogue right now for people to be like, oh, well, hey, you know, like, we'll never be able to get nine hours of sleep or eight hours of sleep. And we should be focusing rather on what can we do in a suboptimal level of sleep. And I agree. I think we should. But we should also not attempt to try to pick the low-hanging fruit, i.e., what can we try to change or modify or how can we help the environmental conditions that lead to poor sleep? How do we change those things and then we should always be advocating for people to get sleep and to be trying to prioritize their sleep. You know, that, and that's been something that I've, you know, I'm, I'm looking at the start of a new semester, start of a new year here, where we shift, I essentially shift a lot of my later afternoon responsibilities to the early morning, um, just because of scheduling. And because of that, I'm looking at what modifiable things do I need to do to make sure that I can be prepared as a parent, a parent of two young children, six and four, what do I need to do to make sure that I'm in a position where I can get to bed on time to make sure that I'm my very best when I'm out there on the floor coaching the athletes, right? So if I'm gonna prioritize sleep in front of my athletes, I need to first prioritize it with me because if I'm not my very best, then it's gonna be very challenging for them to be as well. Hey everybody. Thanks for tuning in to this show. I hope you took something away from it. And as always, there's a number of different ways that you can support the show, right? The first thing is I have a monthly newsletter that goes out. It is located at adamringler.com forward slash newsletter. And like I said, in the intro, it is chocked full of great articles, research papers. Um, sort of daily notes, things I'm finding fascinating and experimenting with and being a human guinea pig with to try to change my own behaviors, my own habits, but ultimately to really try to improve my life and get something a little bit more meaningful out of it. So uh, head over to adamringler.com forward slash newsletter, pop in your email and I promise you, you'll get the welcome email and you'll start receiving those monthly updates and you won't regret it. I'm not going to send you a bunch of spam messages or anything like that. I really think that you'll get a lot out of it. And uh, and check it out. I get questions every single time we publish either an article or the latest update to the Decoding Excellence Show. And the question I often receive is, how do I support this show? Well, we have a new way that the audience and the crowd and everybody else here can support the Decoding Excellence Show. Head over to BuyMeAcoffee.com forward slash Adam Ringler. It's actually not buying me a coffee. I know the name sounds sort of uh, confusing or misleading, if you will, but what it is, is it's a, a platform, sort of a crowdsourcing way of, uh, of donating to the show. And the idea is that you would donate a coffee, right? $5, $4, or whatever, to the Decoding Excellence show. And what we do with this is we turn the proceeds. Directly over to supporting the hosting of the Decoding Excellence show, on whether it's on Spotify or on Simplecast or iTunes and elsewhere, and it, it supports the hosting fees for our website and the Decoding Excellence uh, Decoding Excellence show. So, if you want to support the show, you can buy me a coffee. You can buy seven coffees. You buy yourself a coffee. Otherwise, please head over, check it out. It is buymeacoffee.com forward slash adam ringler i'll include it in the show notes and as always thank you for supporting the decoding excellence show